Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. The Limitless podcast was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community that show that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marsley. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. Thank you for joining us again this week. We have another fantastic episode, if I do say so myself. We're talking about guide dogs, and I know we have talked about guide dogs before. In fact, we were just looking back, if you're curious, episode 21, episode 74, and episode 118. Um you can hear all about sort of how you go about getting a guide dog, the training process for the dogs, the training process for the blind people, um, and lots and lots of interesting facts about guide dogs, what you should and shouldn't do. Today, we're talking about access. So being denied access because of your dog specifically, because sadly, this is something that happens too much. Uh, so I'm going to introduce my co-hosts, Nika, Ginny, and Jill. And if you can remind our listeners who you are, but more importantly, introduce us to your dogs. Um, so I'm Jill. I have retinopathy prematurity, so I'm totally blind uh, now anyways. Um, and I have a seeing eye dog. Uh, she's a female black lab named Kiki, and she just turned four. And we've been a team for two years now. Awesome. I'm Ginny. I also have a seeing eye dog from um, the seeing eye school located in Morristown, New Jersey. I have been blind since birth and I always wanted a um, guide dog since I was a teenager. But before that, I used to be highly terrified of dogs. Uh, now um, I have my female Black Lab and Golden Retriever Cross, Sadie. And she was currently four years old, and we have been together for three years. Um, she is extremely good at her job, and outside of her job, she is very attention uh wanting, wanting pets all the time, wanting to play, and super, super cuddly. Uh, Black Lab and Golden Retriever Cross. Just curious, what color is she? So she is a Black Lab, but she's has a bit of Golden Retriever in her. So if you look at her, she looks completely like a Black Lab, um, but she has a little bit of Golden Retriever okay. in her. I can notice it a little bit because her head is a little bit more blocky mm -hmm. um, and the hair on her little tush is a little bit more shaggy. Right. Um, but her color is like midnight dark black. Okay. Thank you. Anika. Hi, I'm Nika. I have partial vision, mostly in my left eye. And I also have a seeing eye dog named Gabe. He is a male black lab. And he just turned four earlier this month in July. And we've been a team for a little over a year now. And it's definitely been quite a learning curve. And Gabe definitely likes to test my boundaries a little, but it makes life more interesting. 
I feel like we should be um, approaching the seeing eye to see if they'll sponsor <laughs> this podcast because <laughs> you Actually, all, though, all got your dogs fun. from seeing eye, which is a cool school, but we are not necessarily um, saying that's the only guide dog school. There's like 17 or 18 schools in North America that you can choose to go to, but just coincidentally, <laughs> Not sure why, you know, that might be because it's a great school. We've got <laughs> three seeing eye dogs right here. It's just funny to me because seeing eye dog was sort of the mm. term that people use to refer to guide dogs for a long time, even whether they were from the seeing eye or not. And so I feel like our listeners who maybe aren't as informed might think that, you know, that's just what you call a guide dog. It's a seeing eye dog, but actually they're called a guide dog. So if your dog comes from the seeing eye school in Morristown, New Jersey, they they actually have a trademark of calling their dogs seeing eye dogs. Some people have, like you said, Sean, kind of been using that term, you know, generically as well. Um, because sometimes people might not know what school a dog is from. Mm -hmm. But if we're forgetting technical about it. Um, a seeing eye dog is technically only uh, dogs that come from the seeing eye school. And then other um, dogs from other schools typically are guide dogs. Some people call them dog guides. I know other schools have terminology as well. So <clears throat> leader dogs for the blind calls their dogs leader dogs. But that also, I guess, it's not the first school that there ever was. Um, mm -hmm. Or maybe not as big, but that term hasn't just become a generic term yet. Right. A kind of analogy that I like to use is how a lot of people use Kleenex to describe all tissues, but Kleenex is a brand, or how not all bandages are band-aids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's good okay we'll, we'll try to get back on our actual topic so <laughs> we just can't help ourselves but educate you about guide dogs but i do recommend listening to the to those previous episodes for more of the sort of facts about guide dogs okay Ginny, can you tell us a little bit about the laws around guide dog access sure so this can get quite confusing um, because a lot of the time, American law, and so we're all in British Columbia, BC law, can get confused only because a lot of the people hear about American law or know about American law. It's just much more talked about. Um, so in the States, you don't actually require certification or to provide papers for your dog, um, for your service dog. Um, so a lot of people actually assume that that is the same here. Um, however, in British Columbia, what we used to have um, was the British Columbia um, Service and Guide Dog Act. Actually, we still have that, sorry. But underneath that, we used to have the BC certification card. It's it's um, specific only to the province of BC. It's an identity card. So once you've got your service dog or guide dog, you would apply for that card. And you would, if you went into a restaurant, someone wanted to see that card, you'd provide it to them. 
Um, now, however, they are moving away from that a little bit because um, a lot of people in British Columbia and Canadians had issue with that, not just for showing ID, but also what if you're traveling to a different province? So we, you know, making things universal across Canada. So now that is voluntary um, to have, but any ID identification that your guide dog school provides you is also acceptable as well. So the seeing eye does, it's not like an official certification. I just want to say that. It's just um, a picture of you and your dog, says the name on it. It's just like an ID and how long it's valid for. Um, so I just wanted to start off with that part. But for the actual laws, a guide dog, I'm just going to specifically say guide dog. Um, a guide dog is welcome anywhere the general public can go. So to break that down a little bit, if you're if I'm going to a restaurant, Sadie is more welcome. If I decide that I'm going to the back kitchen of a restaurant, that is not somewhere where the general public public goes. Not only am I not allowed there, but my dog isn't allowed there. So kind of looking at it that way. Operating rooms, right? Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> not a place where your guide dog would go or be allowed. But visiting somebody in the hospital, you could bring your dog. Unless they're in the ICU. Then yes. The ICU is the only visiting place you're not allowed. Right. Okay. Yes. So that's what I was going to say. Yes, they can. If you're just visiting, let's say, someone who's just in there in a room. Yes. Um, if it's more critical care patients um, and depending on, you know, illnesses and stuff you might not be able to now having said that though there's also there's the law but there's also then what the school has taught me and i'm sure everyone else as well which is use your judgment so just because i can bring my guide dog to the hospital is it really a good thing for me to do so in a situation that's something i would determine if i'm going to a really loud concert technically my dog can come into a concert or place she's allowed do i really want though to bring my dog into a loud concert venue which will stress her out and stress me out she might get stepped on so sometimes we might not bring our dog a certain place but that's not because of the law that is only because we are using good judgment for our dogs because each dog is different in what they can handle um and sometimes it's like having a little, uh, what they say is a seven-year-old on a leash with you. Sometimes you might not want to have them around with you. Um, <laughs> so that's how I like to like to describe it for people. Right. Okay. But just to clarify, uh, you are allowed to bring your guide dog anywhere else that humans are allowed to be. Yes. Sometimes, other, sometimes the only other exception to that is like some churches or like religious venues sometimes have, they're able to say like, deny you for i don't know why that's the only exception but are they legally allowed to deny you i believe so okay that one's always been a little weird to me yeah it's i think it's called the religious exemption um it's complicated so i don't want to get too far off track but no it's not off track i think it's relevant yeah someone whose family is sikh um i have actually called um temples and asked about bringing in my dog um me and my therapist have sat down together and done that 
the reason I am given from them, which totally might be different from what Jill is talking about, which is the religious exemption, which does apply. Um, it is a weird one though, because mo- like some places will be okay with it. It's it's a bit of a blurry line, but I have been told the dog is dirty. The dog will get hair on our carpet. Um, you know, people are scared. So I haven't been given a legal reason of yet, but that doesn't mean that there isn't one that I don't know about, but hmm. it is quite a, a sad thing. And I think it's a whole other topic that I want to delve into that I can't have both of my intersections mix in that, in that case. Right. Okay. So I, can you guys provide um, some examples of times when you have been denied access? What sort of situations does this happen? So Nika and I, um, we swim together at a club out in Surrey. Um, and we, because the transit is honestly really terrible there and back, um, we we Uber from my house to the pool and back. Um, but because we both have guide dogs, you can imagine some Ubers are quite uncomfortable or whatever with having, <clears throat> pardon me, having two guide dogs, let alone one. So Nika and I, um, one like after one swim practice, like last fall, I think it was, um, we were like waiting outside for an Uber and like it was raining and it was cold and it was just like we were wet from swimming. It was a whole thing. And uh, like Nika and I, because there's two people and two guide dogs, we have kind of jointly um, agreed that we're going to like we'll message the driver yes. saying that like, there's two seeing eye dogs also quietly on the floor of the car, you know, please don't deny us, be cool. We kind of think, yeah. um, you do like, just to be clear, you don't have to message and tell them that you have a guide dog. Um, I just prefer to do that. And Nika and I agreed because there was two dogs. It was just going to be mm-hmm. hopefully less of a fight. Um, I say that now, but that specific day we did all of the things I just said, like we always do. And we were denied six times in a <gasps> row. <laughs> to get a ride home and it's a 40 minute drive and like i said it was raining and you know we were like still wet from swimming and it was just such a miserable time and i think it took us over an hour if not longer to finally get an uber driver to accept us and it was like we nick and i still joke that we like we're lucky because we haven't beaten our record yet <laughs> not that we obviously want to <laughs> but it was horrible that was i think the worst okay like, denial with an uber that i can think of right now so i'm a little bit new to the uber (laughs) (laughs) i've taken a total of two by myself um when you say denied six times so you mean like they read who you were what your situation was and then canceled the ride or um yeah go ahead sometimes like like normally going back i get the uber going there jill gets it so i was messaging giving them the spiel and out of the six some of them canceled right off the bat and we were reconnected to a new driver and a couple times they i guess just didn't read the message or read it but didn't really take it in and they pulled all the way up to the rec center oh no they didn't and we opened the door like we're gonna go get in oh no and he's like uh no dogs were like oh (laughs) Ugh. oh wow okay yeah what so, like to draw attention to is that in uber's policy it says that they're only allowed to not allow guide dogs if they have an allergy and that has to be proved like they have to present an id or some sort of note 
by written by their doctor. And mm-hmm. if they refuse to take us, they are actually supposed to wait for another Uber driver to come. And they are yeah. supposed to make sure that we are safely in another car before leaving. Oh, Not that really? they ever have done that in my experience. And whenever they cancel the ride, um, we get charged. Or sorry, if like, yeah. we'll get charged if we what? have to. Yeah. If they like, there's been times where like, like if we cancel the ride to get another driver, we get charged. And like Nika and I have had literally had the Uber driver try and hand us money in lieu of the like the fee he knew we were going to get charged with because he didn't want to take us. Like that's uh, not how this works. You don't just hand us ten bucks or whatever it was. You have bucks, to maybe. pay if you are yeah. refused. So they if, cancel and then yeah. you get charged because what? they put. So the reasons for canceling are you were late. You weren't there on time. So they click one of those <gasps> and then you are charged a cancellation fee. So once I was yeah. charged a total of five cancellation fees on my way to the <laughs> blind beginnings Christmas party. So <laughs> I had to, um, I had to go through Uber does have a reporting policy. Um, mm. uh, though, if you do speak to someone in the, um, in the customer service, they will do their best to make sure that that issue is resolved what? i don't which it never gets resolved in my experience i've, I've reported oh, and okay. co- talked to them on the phone and they're like yeah we'll look into it never hear back and i follow up and like nothing happens i just can't understand why you get charged when the driver doesn't want to mm-hmm. take you that's so messed up well and I... the thing a lot of times they want to make sure that it's your fault that you're canceling mm-hmm. because if they say that it's their fault then it it affects, affects their, their rating their yes yeah. things and I've also had one other experience with Uber, which was like, to me, the worst and the most scary one. So um, I don't know where Kiki and I were even going, but I like, I messaged him and said, and he like, he read it or said, okay, got it. And I think they just automatically click that, like mm-hmm. um, the response or whatever. Like they, it's like an auto response. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he pulls up and I go to like open the door. Oh, I was coming home from swimming one day. Um, cause all I do is go to swimming and back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was, this is what during kind of the last little bit of COVID where, um, the pool change rooms were closed. So you couldn't like dry off and change. Right. So, and it was raining and I was in a damp swimsuit and I was waiting outside. Um, and I went to grab the door, like open the door and I heard him like hit the locks and he started <gasps> driving, he started to drive away, but he kind of like went a little bit reverse and then forward. But my foot and Kiki's front paws were close to the like obviously the door and the back mm. tire. Whoa. So like if you would have yeah. like if we would have been any closer, like you could have run us over, like our feet over. If I didn't get let go of the handle, I could have been drugged, right? And it was yeah. so scary because like he didn't care. He could have cared less. He was mm. he, he would have just yelled out the car, no dog, and then drove off and almost ran us mm. over. Wow. So like I've had like I can deal with them canceling or you know not reading the messages or like yelling at me no dog through the window but when my hand is on that door handle and they drive away that is terrifying yeah Yeah. like i have to keep me and my dog safe and they almost ran over both of us right so yeah it was terrifying it is quite unfortunate um that it does happen (laughs) yeah i do want to say though that um i know it's not everyone's experience but i did have uber at certain points, not all the time, did take my complaint very seriously. So I am Ugh, grateful for that. Lucky. I don't want, I don't want to say that all of them are bad, mm-hmm. um, because I have had a couple drivers 
who I, I stand with them and I chat for a bit and I say, hey, look, like, this is about not everyone, of course, that I want to acknowledge that this is a big problem. But I also want to acknowledge like the the drivers who have told me like, this is not right. Or like, um, I've had like an Uber pet tell me you don't have to take Uber pet. So they have, you know, there are some drivers out there. There are all bad in the mm-hmm. bunch. Of course, that's not what we're saying. But I've also done this new thing now where in my Uber name, I have Ginny and service dog. So even mm. before, the, because before it was Ginny, they accept the ride. Then I tell them I got a service dog. Yeah, so yeah. now before you even accept my ride, you get to see that it's Ginny and service dog. Right. So yeah. that's that good. I found has helped tremendously. Again, we aren't required to do this, yeah. but I have chosen to do this because it saves me money, saves me time, yeah. um, saves me so much. And okay. I've had Uber drivers who also like, you know, like they grudgingly agree to let us on the car and like these dogs are trained to sit quietly on the floor of the car by your feet. Like they're more mm-hmm. than trained for that. And I've had so many of them. They're like, oh my God, your dog's so good. Or it's better than my child, which yeah. I think is <laughs> so funny. And I'm like, in my head, like, see, like if it's a legitimate yeah. real service dog, this is how they're going to behave. Right. Because yeah. a lot of them have also told sure. me that like they've taken other quote unquote service dogs. And the dogs have been like barking and running up and down the seats and like right. not behaving like a service dog should. Yeah. So well, that's questionable. We, uh, give our spiel. We would kind of just say there's two guide dogs, but now we say there's two guide dogs who will sit quietly on the floor. And I think <laughs> a lot of drivers don't necessarily know that the dogs don't aren't supposed to sit on the seats. So, so many times mm-hmm. when mm. we were about to get a denial, as soon as we told the driver, oh, they're going to sit on the floor. Like a couple times, like when I was with a sighted person, the sighted person would kind of tell me like, there was an instant look of relief on the driver's face when he said. Yeah. Also, I I want to add one more thing that if an Uber driver ever gets out and starts to open the trunk, um, (gasps) you don't put your dog in the trunk. No, (laughs) that is common. uh, I've I've had, well, no, but I've, not to them. I've had them like, okay, like, so your dogs go here? I'm like. No, my no. dog will not go in your trunk. <laughs> like what? Oh, wow. Um, so I'm just gonna do a big PSA that Uber drivers never, ever never. assume where your dog is going to go in the trunk. It's been okay. a wild ride yeah. with Ubers. Let's put it that way. Sounds yeah, like and it. then more. It's like common for us. Like we are not putting our fact or no. not. You don't put like. <laughs> Yeah. your yeah. animal in the truck your seven-year-old okay so that's awful and i don't want to spend the whole time talking about uber but i am really sorry <laughs> that you've had those terrible experiences what that's really and and I, i'm actually like the most kind of shocked at the whole being charged not only are you mm-hmm. left on the curb but you have to pay for it like that's yeah. so wrong oh my goodness but yeah. anyways what other <laughs> situations have you been denied access let's just get all fired up in all different ways <laughs> i can start with a couple um one like i surprisingly have never really been denied entry or question i've only been questioned twice for restaurants um and like again, like Jenny said earlier, that the school does provide like a, a an ID card. Um, so sometimes restaurants will try and ask for the ID, like, does your dog have certification? Mm-hmm. And like again, this is personal choice, but this is how I decided to deal with that. Was just like, yep, here's the school ID, and then they don't. To be honest, the no yeah, they don't to, know what they're looking general for. public, but they don't know really what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other issues I've ever had with restaurants is like they'll try and like 
the, the staff is really uncomfortable and awkward. Um, right. And I don't know if it's because they're scared of dogs or they think the dogs are misbehaved, even though they're literally just hanging out under the table. Um, but I've had them like them be kind of, I don't, and again, I don't know if this was on purpose or just the way it felt, but they were really slow to like serve us, whoever mm-hmm. I was with. And they like, you, they were just like not as friendly and polite. And like, just, it was, you could tell they were really uncomfortable the whole time. Um, mm. But I've like generally had really good experiences with restaurants. They're like, do you want like high or low table? Whatever's easier for you and the dog. I've been asked multiple times, Does, can I get your dog some water? I've been offered a meatball for Kiki once, um, which was hilarious. I'm like, that's okay, but like, that's really sweet. Thank you. Um, right. And like, I think that like, there's been so many times where Kiki's under the table and like, you can't really see her at first glance and we'll get up to go. They're like, oh my God, there's a dog. Like, she was so good. So I've generally had like pretty good experiences with rest- restaurants aside from the couple. Like, mm-hmm. do you have an ID? Mm-hmm. Yep. Here you go. Okay, cool. Let's go. What so. about you guys, Ginny and Nika? Um, I had a situation where, so my mom called me and she's like, we're going to go to a Persian restaurant. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. And then she picked me up and we started going straight home. And I'm like, what happened? She's like, I called the restaurant and told them about your dog. And they said, we have to sit in the patio and I don't want to. And I'm like, well, mom, like, let me talk to them. And it is, you know, technically it is illegal to basically force someone to sit in a specific area mm-hmm. I have a right to be both inside or outside um and then I ended up calling the restaurant and they said the same thing to me and I tried explaining as much as I could that what they were doing was wrong and they just wouldn't budge when I explained it to them and I think I've just been in other situations as well where I've gone to rest like restaurants once and all of these were with like my parents and they automatically seated us in the patio instead of asking where we'd like to be seated. And that can be really frustrating as well. Similar to what Jill and Nika have said, I don't think I've ever been like refused entry ever into a restaurant. Um, unfortunately, as uh, I, I don't know how to word this, but like my culture, um, the Assyrian culture is not everyone, of course, is quite hesitant with dogs. So unfortunately, um, I've had some issues with Indian restaurants or I have now just opted to leave Sadie at home or takeout. But um, usually when I go to restaurants, there's not a problem. They do ask for ID. And again, um, because there's no BC ID anymore, you do show the school ID and they are, you know, because they can actually ask for that here in um British Columbia. So I just kind of usually provide that and they're usually okay with it. Um, sometimes they're like, oh, we haven't seen this ID before just because they're used to the other one. So they do have to use sometimes confirm with their manager. Um, I've had people ask me, oh, are you visiting? How are the states? And I'm like, no, I, <laughs> I live wow. here. Yeah. So uh, I've had had that as well. Um, Sometimes I've had pe- um, people say, oh, you do have to sit in a certain spot. Now, I can either handle this one of two ways. Sometimes if I am with other people or if we're a large party or if I'm really hungry, I'm like, hey, seat me wherever. I am here to eat. I don't care uh, because they are just seating people wherever. And I'm not here to socialize with any other guests. So I'll just take it. Now, if it's 
something really ridiculous or let's say um, we've reserved a table or something like that. And if they, you know, say you have to sit in the back, I'm like, no. So I think I always choose to kind of go with um, the situation, like how how much it will inconvenience me and the people with me um, based on that. But I have had the whole, you got to sit in the back or we'll have to put you somewhere else. Um, but I've also had it kind of the opposite where they're like, oh, we were going to sit you at a smaller table, but would you like a bigger table for the dog? And that I'm okay <laughs> with because they're asking yeah. Um, or, you know, they're, they're, they're offering it as a positive. Um, sometimes again, if I'm just walking into a restaurant or me and a friend are going, I never let them know ahead of time about my dog. You don't have to do that. But sometimes if I'm going with a larger group or if I'm doing a reservation, I do let them know so that they can sometimes place me at a bigger table. Um, mm-hmm. especially if there's like Nika, Jill and I are going out, you got three, you got right. three dogs, yeah. right? Yeah. So you that's want a bigger table. Yeah, so you want a bigger <laughs> table. So I kind of choose yeah. to um, handle it that way. I have had some people, um, like, I again, not fully deny, but them being like, oh, no, that doesn't work. This ID doesn't work. Or, oh, no, 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 like, no pets. And I'm like, can I please speak to a manager? And that usually is is fine. So I'm super thankful for that. But I have had situations if I'm on um, – let's say um, like a ferry or um, I went to check out my new school campus a couple weeks ago and I had three people ask me in a span of an hour or two um, if uh, Sadie was a service dog and for her ID. Now that Mm. can get a little bit annoying (laughs) because I feel like if I show it to one person, I guess it is hard to radio over and tell everyone else. But to be asked for it multiple times in a specific area is a little bit inconvenient to me, um, especially if I'm going to school somewhere. And I'm yeah. assuming people will get used to me eventually. I am new. I get that. However, it is it is quite annoying to have several people ask for it. Well, and like, obviously, again, universities and colleges are public areas where your dog is allowed. And like, exactly uh, the way that I always kind of dealt with that, um, especially because like you don't want to tell a classroom full of at least in my case like hundreds of people like this is a service dog don't touch don't look blah 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 um i would actually email my prof and ta um ahead of time like before like before the first class and be like hey i'm like as you know via the disability center i am the visually impaired student in your class i have a guide dog here are the rules about the guide dog um and like all they've ever said, like, there's never been any issues after that. Uh, not that there was to begin with, but I've just wanted to be more upfront and clear mm-hmm. in case they did try to say anything. And the only thing is like, oh, someone in the class says they have an allergy. They'll just sit on the other side of the room. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Works for yeah. me. So I've been pretty lucky with that, but I could see Ginny where that would get so frustrating. It wasn't even the class yet. It was, yeah. I was just walking around um, looking at, like, the, the layout. Um, but for mm-hmm. classes, yeah. So I... I just have it down in my a letter that the disability office sends. Um, even though Sadie is not an accommodation, she is something I have. In a way, she is an accommodation, but it just says service dog accommodations. If there are any uh, severe allergies, please let mm-hmm. us know. And I've never had a problem. In fact, everyone in the class always usually loves my dog. 
and yeah. well, always okay. wants to say hi. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't would you say is it fair to say that somebody telling you you can't bring your guide dog into a space is the equivalent of telling someone in a wheelchair they can't bring their wheelchair in? Well, exactly. Yes and like, no. Technic to me, well, to me, yes, because technically, Kiki is a mobility aid, right? Like through like overall above the fact that she's just a cute dog, yeah. Uh, that she she is there to aid me. She's like as harsh as it kind of sounds. She would be the equivalent of like a like a my white cane. cane. Yeah, yeah. But she just you know has eyes and a brain. But you happen to love <laughs> but, her and yeah, she's and like, happen, he's alive. You know, easier yeah. to train than a cane. Right. Um, so some people find that a little, a little harsh and don't agree with that. But I personally, like, I'm definitely a bit more of a blunt kind of person mm -hmm. that way. So yeah, to mm -hmm. me, it would be that, like, at least personally, that would be the equivalent of like, uh, this room isn't equipped for a wheelchair, so you can't come in or whatever, like something like that. Yeah. Um, obviously I don't know the experience of someone in a wheelchair, but mm -hmm. I would find it if someone tried to like, oh, your white cane won't be able to go through here. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah that's good, yeah. right. Um, yeah, because I mean, I guess the similarity is that if they if they won't allow you in, you can't go in. Like if, yeah. if they won't allow your dog, you have no other choice. You're not exactly. Well, you can't just you can't just leave your dog outside in the hallway yeah. for three hours by itself. <laughs> like it's not how it yeah. works, right? Yeah. They're yeah. there to help you and be your eyes and keep you safe. The reason why I said yes and no um, was I totally agree with Jill. The only reason why I attached the no there is because you can have dog allergies, unfortunately. Um, and True. if they are also registered with accessibility services, because um, at my previous institution, people who had peanut allergies and nut allergies or severe allergies were actually registered with the Center for Accessibility Services as well. So it kind of creates a bit of an awkward thing. So True. in that case, I would just try to work with the person. Hey, you know what? Okay. I'll sit over here, you sit over here again, right? I'm just there to take the class. Like, I'm not always super, like, hard and fast and everything. I want to always work with the person. Um, or sometimes it's like, okay, I'll take another section of this class. Or, okay, you can take another section of this class. Now, I haven't had this happen, like, that bad or that severe. Um, usually, it's, like, super minor allergies, and they don't care. They're like, oh, it's a cute dog. I'll get over it. Um, yeah. But if that was to ever happen, that's the only reason why I would attach a no to that. Okay, fair. But we can't say that every Uber driver that's denied <laughs> has a no, 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 no. I'm more talking about a oh, class. class right. She's setting. making a joke. I, yeah, but, I, I meant yeah. more yeah. sort of generically <laughs> yeah. denying access. So I was just going to say one other situation where like um, they like can't deny you access, but you kind of have to give a little bit of like to, like, again, most of the situations we've talked about, we don't actually technically have to give like a heads up here, like I have a service dog. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the only place that you are, as far as I understand, required to do that is if you're flying on an airplane. Right. Um, and that is to do with like the weight and space, um, on the plane. Um, so with airplanes, at least, I mean, I, I've only really flown to, uh, domestically, um, since I got back in training with Kiki. Um, but we fly often, um, and like whether it's WestJet or Canada, um, you like they have like a they call it a special service desk number, um, and it's if you have any like medical requirements, which the guide dogs would fall under that category, um, and you pretty much just call, um, depending on the airline, it's either like seventy, wait, was it seventy two or forty eight hours ahead of your flight time, and they'll ask you like, 
the typical questions, is it a service dog? Yes. What service does it provide? I'm blind. They're my guide dog. And they usually ask for like the the breed and the weight mm-hmm. and the length of the dog, which is interesting. They also asked me once how wide Kiki's butt was, which was the weirdest <laughs> question I've ever been asked in my life. I'm like, how would I know that? Uh, what? But um, it was pretty You take bizarre. her measurements, yeah. I'm like, th- my mom was there. She's, I'm like, can you um, do me a really weird favor and measure my dog's butt, please? Um, <laughs> but the, the, and then the other thing, um, when you go through security at the airport, um, like they, I, I've had kind of hit and miss with this where... Um, Legally, they you do not take your dog's harness leash collar off of the dog mm-hmm. going through the scanner mm-hmm. thingy. Um, and yes, obviously, like there's metal on all of those things, so it will set off the scanner. Right. Um, I've ha- I've asked or I've been asked like, can you take all of this off your dog? I'm like, nope. That's like she's my eyes. She keeps me safe. That's staying on her. And they've tried to argue a little bit, but I'm also pretty stubborn <laughs> and feisty. Um, and like you can clearly see she's guiding me she needs that on her to be able to guide me so no she's not taking it off this is how this works um so like basically kiki sits by the scanner i get put her on long leash i get the like the airport staff who's on the other side to like grab my hand and pull me through mm-hmm. i call kiki to come she follows the whole scanner goes off i have her right. sit and they, they're allowed to do like a visual scan of the dog and sometimes they'll ask if they can do like a like a pat of the dog to make sure there's something creepy and illegal um, which i'm personally fine with and then they have to mm-hmm. swab like my hands waist shoes and do a little pat down for mm-hmm. me um but to me that's all fine because like my dog and yeah. i went through and it's all good um but that to me that's the only other like place where i like, and they broke my poop bag handle at one point trying to take tell me to take it off and mm-hmm. it's a whole thing at one point yeah. um but like that's the only other place access wise that you have like you give them like a heads up that there's a dog and that's like the only kind of protocol that they're allowed to do right. with like within airports. So it's been mm-hmm. unique and interesting. But so um why do you think that beyond like an allergy? Well, people are saying allergy. Sometimes it is an allergy. Let's <laughs> yeah. give people the Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. What are sometimes what are the other reasons case. you think that people deny you access? Um they're very scared of dogs. I've mm-hmm. had a lot of people I've literally had someone like we, Kiki and I were out sitting on the bus and someone went to come on the bus and ran away screaming off the bus because wow. he was so scared of the dog. Right. Like, well, that's not my problem. Like, Yeah, um, in that case, it's not my problem. No, it's not my fault at all. If you're scared of dogs, my dog's in this same area you want to go to. Like, It's not at all my problem. Mm-hmm. So the biggest ones I've seen are um, definitely the allergies or a fear of dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, those have been the biggest ones that I've come across. I don't really I've know seen, other ones. I've seen those two. And then I've had my car has just been cleaned. Oh right, <laughs> right. Um, or um, my kid da- has <laughs> There might be damage to like the hotel room. There might mm. be um, like dirt or things or hair, like loose hair. Um, the like those ones, I'm like, eh, like no, she's a service dog spine the fear one i also again like jill said if you are in a public if you are working as a public person in a public area or if you are walking in a public area that is on you the only time i would have and would consider fears is if i'm taking a class with someone and they do have a fear yes it's not my problem but i would still as just because i want to work with the person and maybe sit we'd sit uh, you know on opposite ends of the classroom or if i'm going to someone's house 
um, so that people at their houses are actually allowed to make their own rules. Yes, mm-hmm. as much as I don't like that. So if someone does have a fear at their house, I try to work with them um, with that. But that's oh. me. You don't all have to. I just like, I don't know. I like working with people on it. Yeah. Um, to be sort of clear, I know when I got my guide dog, we were we were instructed to brush our dog every day and and we were, they kind of talked to us about how it's, it is our responsibility to make sure that the dog does is well-groomed is clean is, you know, not going to leave half of its hair behind (laughs) on your couch. (laughs) So general, I think most people do that, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It it was kind of funny because I had an Uber driver and like we had no access issues or anything. And we get out of the Uber at my house and I'm like taking Kiki to the bathroom in the front yard and the Uber driver gets out. I'm like, okay, that's kind of like creepy. What are you doing? He goes to the trunk and pulls out a vacuum. I'm like, oh my God, you can fit a vacuum in there. I guess it's like a small handheld one. Right. I'm like, oh, I'm like the heck? am I, am I going to get charged for that? Cause obviously I knew what he, he was going to vacuum up where Kiki was sitting. Uh-huh. So like, no, no, I just like to be respectful for all clients. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> okay but it was thankfully a good situation but it was kind of funny yeah what's like whoa interesting nika can you think of any other reasons Um, i've been told before like people were scared because they're like oh when i was a kid i was bitten by a black Mm. dog that looks exactly like your dog i'm like okay like valid there might be some feelings coming up but i promise (laughs) my dog will not bite you or attack you um, and then something else I was also told once is that someone wouldn't let Gabe and I in because he said that his manager or his boss would get mad at him. I'm like, no, no, no. Like he, He's like, I want to let you in, but I don't want to get in trouble. I'm like, oh, no, that's hard. What you're doing now is actually like getting you in trouble. Like, yeah. Yeah. What are the reactions of your friends or family that are with you when things like this happen like sighted folks who see you be denied what what usually happens um my my family gets pretty fired up about it um it's really funny to me um they're usually pretty good about like because I also want to be the one to at least at the beginning to like explain Mm -hmm. like it's a service dog I'm blind etc etc um but sometimes you're the poor blind girl that people don't listen to which is really annoying and yeah, sometimes, like, but like, oh, I'll listen to this sighted blind or sighted guy over here who's with you, um, which drives me crazy, but it sometimes does help. Um, so usually my family is pretty good about like letting me handle it. Um, and if after me, like, you know, saying the whole thing, um, if they're still not being cool about it, then my family will step in like it's a dog and et cetera. My family's mm-hmm. also quite big, so there's a whole bunch of us staring at you angrily. <laughs> big in number, um, not in like weight. Yeah, no, no, yeah, big in big is no number. Yes, for sure. Yeah, and then, <laughs> I've had um like like my previous like boyfriend. Um, he has like if we were getting denied an Uber, he's actually opened the door and sat inside the Uber so they couldn't drive away, which is really funny. And then the guy's like, "Fine, I guess get in." And it's like, "Oh wow!" So it was like. I think it's like it just happens so often that like he yeah. um he got more mad about it half the time than I did because I'm like oh, okay I'm used to it but he like half the time he wasn't with us so mm-hmm. and he would get so like worked up I'm like you know what like it's it's cool it's fine um it happens all the time we'll stay for another one he's like that's not okay and just like, gets yeah. really worked up about it 
Um, but most of the time, at least with the people, the study people that I'm with, they know that like for the most part, I can handle it. And then I've, I've also explained like, Hey, like, let me handle it. Um, but if they're not listening, then like, I would appreciate your kind of backup. Mm-hmm. So we already kind of had that discussion ahead of time. Right. Um, so like some of my friends have also like, stepped in and, um, kind of helped me out with that too. So usually it's like they're frustrated and angry on mine and Kiki's behalf, mm-hmm. not usually because like they're the one who's having to wait and you know it might take us longer to get to the restaurant or something they're i've never had them be upset with that yeah it's more they're upset on our behalf that this keeps happening and they want to help and then they usually get they're pretty good about forcefully not for not like well they're they can be pretty not they're not like screaming and yelling at the person but they're definitely like forceful tone wise Mm -hmm. to like like this is illegal what are you doing don't you know the laws which is getting pretty worked up but yeah it's usually helpful and not like it usually doesn't cause more of an issue, at least in my experience. So, right. Yeah. Um, Nika, you said that your family just chooses not to go to the restaurant. <laughs> Have they ever stuck, what, stuck up for you? No, stuck up for you? Unfortunately, no. I find with them, like when we went to like Persian restaurant for brunch, I just went without Gabe and they don't really understand. They kind of say, you should have known this before getting your dog. You mm. made your you have to lay in it kind of thing. Um, I try to explain that it's against the law and they say that law and reality are two different things. Um, so not a lot of support in uh, that regard. Um, and that's both kind of my um, like immediate family and also um, like extended family. And people like friends and people outside of my family are great. Like around my neighborhood, I'll run into people from high school or like parents from the school or former teachers. And they're like, you have a dog now. I'm like, yeah. And we'll get into a whole conversation and they'll ask me how, like what life is like. And they ask me if I've had any issues before. And when I explain to them that there's access issues, sometimes they get so irate. They're on my Mm -hmm. side. I don't think this is necessarily a, an age thing because I've talked to, again, like high school classmates and former teachers who have mm-hmm. are across a big expanse of ages. Um, and I've even talked to strangers on the bus before. And I was talking to this one older woman and I was kind of, ex- I was telling her all my horror stories basically. Mm-hmm. And she's getting so irate on the bus. She's like, you need to call North Shore News. You're going to call this agency, CBC, CTV. I'm like, okay, you're like getting more mad than I am. I appreciate <laughs> Jenny, what about you? Do your friends and family, what? how do they react when this happens? Okay, so I always try and I tell people that I want to deal with it first. And I try to deal with it nicely and calmly as best as I can uh, most times. Sometimes I do get fired up the rare time or if it's just taking a long time i get a little bit fired up but i try to remind myself that you know i'm representing the school and you know the, the if the more nice i am about the situation the better it's probably going to be but sometimes you get a little riled up i know one time um like chill said you do have to let no let airlines know ahead of time i didn't know this i guess mm. it is a policy that you do require an extra seat for your guide dog. Again, it's very blurry because every time I've flown with an airline before, Sadie has just been in front of my seat every single time. But this particular airline, um, I was had my flight the next day and they told me I couldn't fly because Sadie didn't have her own seat booked and the flight was too full. 
And at that point, I definitely got friends and family involved and had friends email on my behalf and was quite a little bit more firm and a little bit more fired up. Um, some my, So family is hit and miss. Um, a lot of the times they're like, what about Sadie? Every time we have to go somewhere and I'm like, she'll come with us. Um, yeah. And they usually kind of like, but, but, but. And I'm like, don't worry about it. And they're like, I'm going to call them. I'm going to call them. Like, and I'm like, mm. oh, you're making it worse. And then they'll call them and it'll, it'll they will either say, oh, they just want to see ID. And I'm like, see? Or they'll be like, they said, you can't come. Uh, sometimes my family doesn't like it when I advocate. They're like, just leave it. Stop. You're making a scene. It's a little bit embarrassing to them. On the other hand, though, sometimes they get super passionate and angry <clears throat> on my behalf. But it's up to them, you know, when and for what situations. Sometimes they'll be like, you know how, you know, you know how people are just leave it, or you know how these restaurants are just, just, just do that. Um, so they, they aren't really as good as I'd like them to be, but it's also not an excuse, but a cultural thing and a learning curve. Like they would never let a dog in the house before I brought Sadie ever, ever, ever. So right. that's a huge step as well. Like I want to acknowledge that for them. Um, but some of my friends, some of them will start talking for me and I don't really appreciate that or like that. And mm-hmm. some of them will get more angry about it than me. And I'm like, stop, like you're, you're making us look bad. Please stop. Like, I'm sorry. Like, yes, some people get angry. I don't, I try not to do it that way. Um, some of my friends just stay silent unless I tell them to unleash. <laughs> um, right. Or some of them <clears throat> know that when I need it to step in. Uh, one time I was, I had <clears throat> a few denials in a day. It was midnight. We wanted AMW, so we went to get AMW, and they were like, "No pets." And she's like, "It's a service dog. She has ID." And we walked by, and she's like, "I'm not doing this." And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm too tired." So. It really depends on the situation. Sometimes if I want to eat too badly, I'm like, okay, bye. I'm denied. And then I leave and I go somewhere else because it. I don't like to advocate all the time because that's not my whole purpose in life and my whole mission in life. Of course. Yeah. So it's kind so, of a mix of, um, yeah. sounds like one extreme to the other with you three <laughs> or, and <Pretty> your families. <laughs> <laughs> but got, thankfully you're yeah. like the training center where you go, um, I'm going to say the thing I'm um, hoping slash assuming every school does the same thing similar, but they do really prepare you for these situations. Mm -hmm. So the best, like, obviously they don't, it's not like they do a mock situation where like get an Uber and then you're being yelled at. They don't (laughs) obviously do that. I kind of wish they would, not going to lie. But they do have a lot of like lectures on like, like advocacy and um, like where, where and where your dog is not allowed to go, et cetera. So they do their best, at least I felt like they did, to prepare us for these kind of situations. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that that was a decently big part of training because, like, again, I've had a whole bunch of pet dogs throughout my childhood. But obviously, as we all know, guide dogs are super different. And, like, I don't bring my pet dog to sit down dinners in a restaurant. Um, right, yeah. Like, patio sometimes you can, but not the point. As we're like, oh, I can bring my guide dog anywhere. Cool. And I'm like, oh, I'm being yelled at because my dog is quote-unquote dirty when I know it's not. So I like, I just wanted to kind of give a bit of a shout out that the schools do their best Mm -hmm. to explain these situations and, you know, give you advice on what to do. So, and I mean, there's a lot of 
benefits to using a guide dog. And this is mm-hmm. just sadly one of the drawbacks that you, you know, have to like, live with. Going into it, you know that this is going to happen. And it's mm-hmm. like the first yeah. few times, like especially when you get home with your dog and everything's so crazy and chaotic and new, um, when you get that first denial, it's like, oh my God, oh my God, what do I do? And then like, am I going to be the one to like stand up for us and be very vocal and bold and blunt? Or am I going to like be really uncomfortable and awkward and just like, step back? Um, so you quickly kind of learn how you deal with these things. Mm. But the first one's definitely like the first denial of any kind, whether it's restaurant or mm-hmm. Uber or whatever, <laughs> is terrifying. Yeah. Um, and then like, but when you get those wins, you feel so good about yourself. Right. Um, and sometimes you honestly are just so tired of having to advocate and argue and fight for it. That's like, you know what? Cool. Canceling. I'll get another ride. Like it's fine. Right. So yeah. A lot of it uh, kind of you're prepared for it. Sometimes you just really don't want to do it. Sometimes you you're in the mood and want to argue. So it's, <laughs> that was kind of a, let's see what happens today. kind of vibe. Yeah. Well, but. It strikes me a bit that there's sort of the people who don't mind rocking the boat versus people who don't want to rock the boat. And I'm just from what you've described, Nika, I feel like your family doesn't want to rock the boat. Jenny, maybe some of your family too, like just don't yeah. push it. Just, just leave her at home. Just yeah, like, and it- yeah. Day, like day by day like my mom and I go to pubs and stuff um or sometimes and with Gabe and it's no problem it's again only the Persian restaurants and the the Middle Eastern places that's kind of more of the issue mm-hmm. um and even just with advocating it changes day by day if it's a nice day and I'm going home and if I'm not in a rush then I won't really mind uh and I don't really press the issue of being forceful with getting denied if I'm actively in a rush if yeah. I'm very hungry and angry like <laughs> hang getting like low <laughs> and lightheaded then I'll be a bit forceful because there's more higher stakes involved yeah. so very yeah. situation makes sense we need to wrap up but let's just sort of finish off with what what are, what are your final thoughts on the on the subject for people who are listening maybe some of them are uber drivers maybe some of them are restaurant owners maybe <laughs> this is an oppor- your opportunity to educate them what what would you like to say i think like my biggest things would be like they are um ex- well i'm extremely well trained dogs they are clean and quiet and well behaved and they are doing a very at least in my opinion, a very important service slash purpose. Um, like, and you know, even if you are scared or you're worried they're going to leave hair in your car or whatever, like, like they are again, clean and quiet and very well-trained and behaved. Um, and like, you can see that within the first couple of minutes of being around them, especially when they're in harness. Um, so I think people just like understanding that and seeing that and like, not freaking out because they're scared of dogs because they had a bad experience one time a long time ago. Like that was one dog a long time ago. And I'm sure it was, you know, astray mm-hmm. and not trained. So, As a person who was terrified of dogs most of my life, I have to say that when I started being around people with guide dogs, I was never afraid of a guide dog, especially mm-hmm. in harness. Yeah. So- I, I learned very quickly that when that dog is in a harness, it has a job to do. It takes that job seriously. It is not mm-hmm. interested in biting a stranger <laughs> or, you know, jumping exactly. on a stranger. They shouldn't, they shouldn't even jump up on you. They shouldn't yeah. be licking you. They're not going to do any of the things that you maybe are afraid a dog might do exactly um, when that harness is on. So yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, I- oh, go ahead, Nika. Not- project um project past experiences on all dogs but 
it is much different and they're not your average run-of-the-mill pet dogs. I think what my thing is, is that even though they are trained and this might go against what we're, everything what we're, that we're saying, but they are still dogs. And I say that because sometimes I'm in a place and Sadie will miss a cue. She will try to go for something on the floor. Sometimes she is sick, um, unfortunately, and that happens. So sometimes they are dogs. That doesn't mean that they're not a guide dog. I've had people say, oh, she's not really well-trained because she did that. And then you had to correct her and pull her leash or give her a verbal reprimand. And I'm like, yeah, because Mm. she's still a dog. So yes, yes, it goes contrary to what we're saying in this episode. Mm. But unfortunately, they are a dog mistakes happen they're not not robots and the corrections do not actually hurt them whether it looks bad or not the corrections do not actually hurt them Mm -hmm. that's another one sorry as i was yeah so as i was saying um sicknesses happen things happen you and but it is the um dog handler's responsibility to pick that up but that doesn't mean that they are any less trained and you know what if you have any questions or if um you want to know more about the law or access issues, just ask us. More than not, we are happy to talk about it if you approach us in a proper way um, about it rather than starting off with a denial. Yeah. Right. Okay. And I, I guess I do think it's important to to point that out, but also it's not the norm. Like, no. Because I, d- I don't want people thinking, oh, the dog might get sick in my car. No. Or, but yeah, of course, just like people get sick sometimes. I'm sure Uber drivers have had people who throw up in their car <laughs> or something, right? So yeah. it's, uh, it, it's possible. It's an animal. It's a live animal. Like, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Corrections are not bad. That's my <laughs> final thought. Okay. Corrections and verbal corrections do not hurt them and they are not mean they are trained to do those things um and that is what you do when they like jenny said miss a cue or miss a direction or command or whatever and or you know accidentally trip you because they're distracted by another dog down the street corrections are not mean and they don't hurt them and they're not bad oh and also our school the seeing eye specifically does also say like praise twice as much as you correct so even though we correct and that is something that even though different schools have different philosophies about corrections, all schools do teach that. That is part of going into getting a guide dog is the fact that they will at some point act up because they are dogs and we will have to, at some point in the course of working with them, correct them. And we're also taught, again, we praise them when they do something right. We have the bond, like the bond strengthened. So that's corrections doesn't affect that. Yes. <laughs> Okay. And if you want to know more about guide dogs, again, I encourage you to listen to episode 21, 74 and 118. And I'm sure you will learn much more. Well, not I'm sure you will. You will learn. (laughs) (laughs) You'll learn more about how the dogs are trained, how we are trained with our dogs, how we pick a school, um, all sorts of things about guide dogs. So definitely check those out. Thank you so much to the three of you for being here and sharing your story. I'm sorry, stories. Um, <laughs> sorry that you have had 
these denials of access. That's very frustrating. And I hope that this episode will help and gets in the hands of people who maybe have been a little ignorant to the laws and, and the situation with guide dogs. So thank you for sharing. Thank you. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast, like, subscribe, leave us a rating, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.